Hello and welcome to episode two of this cul-de-sac life, following the journeys of three families as they cultivate beauty, making their everyday ordinary something extraordinary. I'm your host for today, Hannah McConnell. Thank you so much for joining me. Hello, welcome to the second episode of This Cul-de-Sac Life. I'm your host for today, Hannah McConnell. Thank you for joining me. Today I wanted to talk about something very special to my heart, and that is the topic of atmosphere. Atmosphere is something essential for our well-being. You can have an atmosphere that either creates chaos, confusion, frustration, depression, anxiety, or you can have an atmosphere that elicits joy, even profound gratitude, inspiration. Setting an atmosphere is truly very simple and it doesn't take rocket science, but I wanted to share with you today a few of my simple tricks that I utilize myself for helping maintain a positive atmosphere, especially in my home. To start, I wanted to remind you that we ourselves are the first key ingredient to setting a good atmosphere in our home, our workplace, wherever we go. We have the power in us to change the atmosphere. So on a day-to-day basis, especially as a homeschooling mother, it is my job to first and foremost begin to do the sole work needed to make sure I am where I need to be in order to set an atmosphere in my home and for my child that elicits joy, peace, even an ease in homeschooling and learning. An atmosphere that really brings a sense of ease. Homeschooling in and of itself is a hard thing to do. But if you add to it an atmosphere of stress or anxiety, even of um, works, being works-minded or Um, I'm trying to think of another way to put it, but if there's any sense of striving for achievements, um, the atmosphere suffers for it. And especially children, their attitude, their ability to focus, their ability to put their hands to what they need to learn and do well by it, it all begins to suffer. So, as a perfectionist by nature, I have to take time each morning to really put myself at ease. And I always first do that by going to the King of Kings, going to his throne, telling him my day's plans, asking what his plans are, and I truly ask the Holy Spirit to please overwhelm the day, guide my thoughts, guide my actions, guide my tongue, so that throughout the day I'm being spirit-led and not led by the flesh and thus affecting those around me. This doesn't mean each day is always perfect and this doesn't mean that I always have my crap together (laughs) because any one of my cul-de-sac neighbors, my son or my husband, could tell you otherwise. But it is part of the work I do for myself first and foremost and then for those around me to help ensure that my day has an atmosphere of peace to begin with. And peace only comes when I relinquish control 
and I give it to the King of Kings, who is in full control. So, my first tip for setting an atmosphere of peace and beauty and ease, all of the beautiful, joyous things, my first tip is do your soul work. Now, I know as mothers, especially of littles or multiples, it's really hard to set aside time alone for devotions in the mornings because if you are anything like me, you have an early riser for a child and it's almost impossible to beat them to, to being awake. I can set my alarm. I can um, sneak through the house as quietly as I possibly can. And I think only twice I've succeeded in waking up before my son and not waking him up within the first five minutes. However, even so, soul work, prayer work, surrendering your day before the throne, it doesn't necessarily have to happen in a perfect scenario. If we're looking for perfect scenarios, we could go ahead and throw our ability to create a positive atmosphere in our homes out the window because there are no perfect scenarios for anybody in any walk of life. However, my um, routine in the mornings I've built around my life and the realities of what my life looks like. And I encourage you that you can do the same. So I want to walk you through just a few things that tend to take place in my day and a few things that I tend to do that I believe really help create an atmosphere in my home that breeds success in whatever form of success you like to define that as. For me, success is reaching the end of the day, having been able to taste and see the goodness of the Lord and not come out on the other side wanting to pull my hair out, my son still loving me, and my husband coming home to a wife who's not at the end of her wits. <laughs> so first, soul work oh, built around my life. I am a mother of one son. I have an only. He is almost 10 now. So my life has actually changed in the sense of it's much easier to do now what I couldn't do before when he was a toddler or even in first, second grade and there. But one of the first things my son always loves to do, and I know this is short-lived, so I allow it and I make room for it, is almost every morning he climbs into my bed with me for his morning snuggles which typically is very active, lots of wrestling, lots of joking, nonstop chatter. Um, he is not truly snuggly outside of the fact that he just wants to be in my vicinity first thing in the morning, cuddled up under my uh, covers on my bed. For him, that defines snuggling. But first thing in the morning, that's where some of our most fun conversations happen, and it really does set the tone of the day by... Wrapping my mind and my heart around the fact that that's what my morning is going to look like, it really helps me prepare my heart and soul for it. Because the truth is, by nature, I don't wake up bright and happy and ready to hit the, <laughs> hit the road. In fact, I don't really want to be talked to. I definitely don't want to have to talk. My preference would be that I get to spend at least the first half hour in solitude when I first wake up. But I know that that is not my reality. And if I may, and I could, I could make that my reality. I have the power to set the parameters and the boundaries that I feel like I need in order to be successful in the morning. 
This routine, however, with my son is not one that I've been willing to sacrifice because I do know how short-lived it is. I steward these mornings, these times with my son because I know they're short-lived and because this is such a special moment for him. It's such a moment he looks forward to each and every morning. I know it is also the prime opportunity to set the tone for the day. Cutting up, laughing, having fun, talking about things that matter, um, setting the expectations for the day. And by expectations, I don't mean um, strict, strenuous checklists. More like, hey, today, let's, let's, let's enjoy the school today, son. Let's really listen to history and and maybe you could try to give me your best narration you've ever given me yet. What if you beat last week's narration? Things like that that really just make a difference for the day. He knows he gets this moment every morning. And then he knows that there reaches a point when it's time to get dressed and get the day started. So after a few minutes snuggling in bed, I sent him to his room to get dressed, make his bed, clean his room, do all those normal morning chores while I get to do my normal morning chores. This moment in my day is pivotal because I also, while I have to kill being a perfectionist, I also know that what helps me function, what helps me focus, what helps me keep going is to obliterate and clear all possibilities of chaos. And my mind has a hard time staying organized and focused if my surroundings reflect chaos. So while my house doesn't have to be perfect, neatness and a general level of cleanliness for me is important. It's not that um, there's a judgment involved in this process. It's not that it's necessarily a reflection of my worth or my home's worth or my or the way I teach or the way I raise my children none of, none of my worth is wrapped up in the level of cleanliness of my home the cleanliness of my home is solely for my sake it's for the sake of the atmosphere of my home for the sake of those who live with me in my home or who I welcome into my home I like to keep a general level of clean just a baseline level kept in order for my mind to be able to then focus where it needs to focus, for my heart to focus where it needs to focus without the distraction of something nagging me in the background saying, oh hey, those counters are dirty, oh hey, that sink is still full of nasty dishes. Things like that are a distraction for me. So I take time every morning and my son joins with me in eliminating those distractions. So, snuggles then morning chores. Those are the first two steps that I do for setting the atmosphere of our home. After the general level of clean has been reached for me, which really isn't a lot, I don't require a lot of myself in the mornings because let's just be real, time is short, there's not a lot of it, and so we need to maximize it. So once we get a general level of clean, I like to then open up the doors of peace and rest first. So we hit the ground running, but I want to make sure that this is um, a race for the end. It's more, it's more of a, um, this, we're in this for the long run. This isn't a sprint, this is a long run. In order to help make sure that my atmosphere is not one of sprinting and um, striving and reaching for perfection, 
Once chores are complete, I block in the moment of peace. That's where I tell my son, hey son, you have 10-15 minutes, it just depends on the day and how much I have to get done in the day, but 10-15 minutes to go play, read a book, um, whatever it is that fills his tank, but he has to go do that. And I come away and I do my coffee, which I like to slow brew my coffee on the stove. I brew my coffee, I bring my cup into the living room, and I sit down just for a few minutes. Remember, I'm only blocking out 10 to 15 minutes most days. Um, I come to the living room to this chair, in fact, and I grab either my Bible and read some of the scriptures or my journal, and I journal my thoughts or my prayers, or I just sit, I just pray just for a little bit because I get to give that moment to peace, to stillness, and to allow the Holy Spirit to speak. After we've had our down moment, I then set the atmosphere for school. And to do that, I try to make sure the atmosphere, again, is not one of striving or perfection. I don't want it to be sterile. I don't want it to be too academic. So I like candles if the weather or the lighting allows for it. I love to do essential oils for the sake of having the pleasant smells. I turn on light music, not music with words, because my son will hear the words of the music over the words coming out of my mouth. So I find some sort of acoustic CD or something to play. Right now it's autumn, so it's autumn in New England, such as the tradition for the cul-de-sac. So we turn on autumn in New England. I still have what's left of my coffee. He gets his water. We can both have a small snack. Sometimes I'll pop popcorn even. And we'll get our reading done first, snuggled together side by side in this chair, <laughs> which is a tight fit, but that's how he likes it. We do our reading, our narration, the rich side of school. And the last thing we move to is math and the work that has to happen at the table. And when I move it to the table, the candle comes to the table with me, the music is still playing, and we use an old vintage chalkboard to teach from. And it's very hands-on for me right now because I found that by being involved in these processes, um, I prefer it because I feel like right now I'm still connecting with my son. There will come a day as he gets older that he wants more independence from me, and that's being blocked in and built more and more as the years go by, so he has some independent work, but a good majority of our school right now is very um, hands-on. We do a lot of it together, and my goal in that is not to press him or to push him or to, um, uh, like, get to the next level. It's to connect. There's this level of connection that's happening together. So this is the atmosphere for school, you know? School should be relaxed. School should be fun. School, while it is academic, in my mind, I try to not let it feel like academics. I want my atmosphere of my home to be one of connection, one of enthusiasm for learning, one of curiosity, one that, that is excited to hear about what's happening next in history, past, like, all of these things, it's cre by creating an atmosphere of curiosity, of smells, of peace through candles and music, and just almost like this hunkle that, you know, when winter comes and you hunker down by a fire with your sweaters, you know, like I'm wearing today, there's just this level of comfort and just getting close. 
and, and, and becoming quiet. Um, that's kind of my vision for school is that there's just this comfort. And so the atmosphere I create is one of comfort. That's why the snuggles in the mornings, getting the chaos out of the way or the confusion, the, all those little dirty knick-knack things laying around the house or the surfaces that are dirty, getting those out of the way, having your moments to yourself to collect your thoughts and just have peace before moving into school. All of these are building blocks one on top of another that when put together create this beautiful symphony of atmosphere in a home especially for homeschooling and for those who go to work you take the atmosphere to work with you you have the power to bring whatever atmosphere you wish with you wherever you go it's all about perspective and that's a whole other thing we could talk about for way too long so i'll try to stay on track but the last things I'd like to cover about atmosphere in the home is ending the day well. We've walked through homeschooling and stuff. After we do our school, it's always playtime. My son, I want him outside. I want him being a child. I want him using his imagination. And while he is playing and do, doing his thing, sometimes I'm involved. And sometimes I have to do what I have to do in a day. I do work part-time from home. I do enjoy, um, for instance, doing this podcast and these video series, and I do love learning certain subjects myself, so I have my own books that I like to pour over and learn. I love to can, I love to cook, I love to preserve, I love to garden, all of these things. And there are a lot of these things that my son becomes involved in, and thus I check more boxes for homeschooling, because let me tell you, that is the ultimate form of homeschool. And back on track again. <laughs> But yes, so those are my times to then do what I have to put my hand to do. And my goal on a normal day is to have those things ironed out as much as possible before my husband comes home from work himself. And when he comes home from work, it is my goal then to transition the atmosphere into an atmosphere that includes him in our processes. Because as a homeschooler, it can very easily become my son and I and keep him on the outskirts. And I know there are people who relate to that because homeschooling is such a close and connecting endeavor with your children. But while my husband isn't necessarily incredibly involved in our homeschool, he is incredibly involved in our lives. And we love him and we want to nurture our relationships together. So when he comes home, it's time to transition from Timothy and I, or my thing, to the entire family's thing. And when you live on a cul-de-sac, sometimes that also means the entire cul-de-sac coming together. To do this, I still have my music playing. I love the candles playing. If it's getting dark, I love to light a fire. If it's cold enough outside, I love to make sure homeschool stuff is put away where they belong. I love to make sure that um, the atmosphere is one that when he comes home, there's an expectation for him to come home. He works in a public school system, and it's the COVID life right now, and we're entering flu season, so our routine is he comes home and he goes straight to the shower. And so I try to make sure our laundry basket is ready for him, for his dirty clothes, so it can be washed right away. There are just different things that I do that, in my mind, nurture the... Uh, the idea that I anticipate his coming home by preparing for his 
for him to come home. Laundry baskets and all those things are small and they seem insignificant, but it's signs that, hey, I know, oh, this time is coming. I'm preparing this for my husband. To me, that is also an atmosphere setter. Those small things you would not think make an atmosphere of a home, but they really do because what happens is he gets to come home from work carrying whatever load he carries from the day. And when he enters the home, these routines allow him to step from work to home and leave work here. Does that um, work 100% of the time? No. Are there checklists I could provide for you that ensure that the atmosphere of your home will forever, 100% of the time, be that of peace, joy, and harmony? No. These are hard times. This has been a hard year <laughs> for everyone, even for us. And so the atmosphere in my home has not always been pleasant. And it will not always be pleasant. There is grace. The moment any of this becomes works or performance or striving or an expectation that if you don't meet it, somehow you're a lesser person, is the moment your atmosphere is instantly killed. Atmosphere starts and ends in grace. And without it, without grace, you're dead in the water already. So apply grace to this. And discover for yourself little things, little routines, little moments in your day that create joy for you. For me, it's how I brew my coffee. For me, it's the sound of my chickens in the morning. It's the sound of a gas stove clicking on. It's the lighting of the candles. It's the smells. It's the music. I have learned to tune in to the small things that make me happy. For instance, light makes me happy. If it's a cloudy day, I bring the light in every form possible. Candles, artificial light, I don't care. I'm not a respecter of it. I just need light. So I bring in the light. If it's a sunny day, well, any day, truly, all my windows are, I don't have blinds that are shut. I don't have curtains shut. They're open, as much light, natural light as possible is always coming in my home. Why? I've noted that light coming in my home elicits joy in me. Sometimes we are far too tuned in to those things that make us sad, to those things that make us depressed, to those things that maybe sting a little, to those things that um, hurt us or make us, makes us anxious. Sometimes we're far tuned in to negative things. And we have to retrain ourselves to tune in to, hey, in this moment I'm feeling such joy. Let's think about what is happening right here and now that is contributing to this joy I feel. These are all tools that help us Cultivate the atmospheres around us for the better, come what may. Tune in. Find the things that make you happy. Find the small movements, the small moments, the seemingly insignificant things that actually like bring a rise of joy in you and take note of them. Look at your life and your season and determine that those inconveniences Turn them around and decide that those aren't inconveniences. These are moments that God has given me to steward well and to make much of them.
for instance, my morning snuggles with my son. These, this is your time, friends. This is your moment. You were made for such a time as this. It's all about perspective. God has given you the tools to cultivate the atmosphere in your home. It is possible. In fact, while it may not be 100% of the time, I guarantee you the majority of your days and the atmosphere in your home can be that of peace and joy. You have what it takes. It doesn't rely on money. It doesn't rely on the perfect house. It doesn't rely on the perfect children or the perfect life circumstances. It doesn't rely on any of those things. It relies on Christ in you alone. Have a great day. Thank you again for joining us for this episode of This Cul-de-Sac Life. I hope you join us again next time. Who knows what's coming next? I don't know yet, but we will see.